Hey, this is Nick here. I wanted to send a quick message to the founders out there. If you're raising your first round of capital and you're not located in the Bay Area, New York City, or Boston, we'd love to connect with you. Newstack leads deals for founders that don't fit the standard Silicon Valley profile and are located in undercapitalized areas. If that describes you, or if you know a startup that fits that description, please send us an email. It's team at newstack.vc. Now here's a word from our partners. This episode of TFR is brought to you by Pacific Western Bank. Pacific Western is the leading provider of venture debt and banking services to startups, growth stage companies, and their investors. Go to pacwest.com to learn more. Welcome to the podcast about investing in startups, where existing investors can learn how to get the best deal possible. And those that have never before invested in startups can learn the keys to success from the venture experts. Your host is Nick Moran, and this is The Full Ratchet. Welcome back to The Full Ratchet. On today's special segment of Investor Stories, the investors address trends, sectors, and markets that they think are positioned for outsized returns in the future. This is the segment called What's Next? On this special segment of Investor Stories, we have Pat Gallagher of Tuesday Capital. Pat, can you talk about sectors or trends that you're bullish on? So uh, as a fund, we've invested a lot in sort of this, this shift going on in the enterprise. I'm still really bullish on sort of the shift to cloud and the shift to microservices. We're investors in Buoyant. We were early investors in Mesosphere, investors in DigitalOcean. I think all of that is going to continue on and accelerate. So we continue to write checks into that. We're investors in GitLab uh, in that space as well. The other space that we're one of the maybe few seed funds, there's certainly not a ton of us out there that are doing frontier tech investing. Yep. And we continue to be fascinated by things that are going on really in space. We think we have, we've made four space investments. We uh, nuclear power. We have two nuclear investments, surprisingly, which I think if you'd asked me five years ago, if you would ever invest in nuclear, I probably would have said no. So I think a lot of the frontier tech stuff we find to be really interesting. And, and I think, frankly, a lot of it can be done with really pretty good capital efficiency, at least in terms of early product market fit scaling. So we continue to be pretty excited about those opportunities as well. On today's special segment, we have Sarah Tavel of Benchmark. Sarah, can you talk about sectors or trends that you're bullish on? The silver lining that I remind myself of during this time is that I just think that we're going to see an explosion of creativity from founders because it takes, you know, it's always change that is the catalyst for creativity of of these of these companies. It's not always, I shouldn't say always, but like a huge set of outcomes is that there's a change and that creates, you know, the creative spark, which leads to a really important and special company. And gosh, I mean, there are so many changes happening right now. And yes, a lot of them are temporary, but a lot of them are are fundamental and won't change back as quickly as we all hope they would. And I think it just creates an incredible window of opportunity for a generation of startups across many different categories. And so, you know, I'm excited about new social experiences. Like it used to be that, you know, in the 24 hours that we spent every day, we have the things that we did in the real world, you know, hanging out with people. 
but we can't do that, but we still need to belong and feel connection. And so it means to me that there's going to be a new generation of social companies that is able to get enough traction during this window that they are able to disrupt the incumbents. And so I'm, I'm looking at a ton of social companies. Social is back. Social. Let's hope, let's hope it's, uh, (laughs) it's, uh, you know, Optim- you need to be optimistic in this world um, and in this job. I, I'm, you know, excited about new marketplaces and new creator tools. You know, things that empower people to make money because that is, you know, with the massive unemployment rate, with the just the challenges we have right now with small businesses, it feels like there's going to be uh, an incredible amount of creativity, an incredible amount of, you know people being entrepreneurial and figuring out ways to to make money and connect with other people and create you know what I always call 10x and cheaper like 10x better products that are also cheaper I'm excited about the future of work you know I, I think zoom is an incredible company but it almost reminds me of kind of skeuomorphic design where it feels like it's enabled the way that we're working now and this kind of distributed teams remote teams but it was almost created for you know, a salesperson selling to a customer. And I think that there's we're going to see like a new generation of companies that are more native to this remote work, distributed work culture that are going to be what we need in order to continue to increase productivity as we're working from home. And, and I'm excited about companies that, you know, I, I mean, I could go on and on. There's just so many things right now that I could talk about small businesses, you know, training, and it's really like when I'm I'm just in this open-eyed place right now where I'm so excited to meet the founders that are thinking about this future and are uncovering an opportunity that none of us see that is needed to get our economy working again, to get people working again, to get people, you know, connected. As tough as this time is with the pandemic, it's also very exciting to do what we do for a living and get to meet this next generation of really special founders. On today's special segment, we have Byron Dieter of Bessemer. Byron, can you talk about sectors or trends that you're bullish on? Absolutely. We touched on the frontier tech world, and I think many of those mega trends are, are playing out in spades, the electrification, the quantum computers, and, and some of those things. Within cloud, the ones that I would probably draw out, though, most directly would be the, uh, the B2B transaction movement, which is this intersection of marketplaces and typically brokered markets moving to digital, and then software attaching to that in a way that can totally change the unit economics. And I'll give an example that no one's ever heard of called ACV auctions or Procore, which some people may have heard of, but two you know, unicorn businesses on the private side, Procore had actually filed to go public right before COVID hit, so it was on pause, but you can see their financials. ACV Auctions also has fabulous financials, but hasn't chosen to yet disclose them. But those are two examples of the construction market, which is the staggeringly large TAM, and the automotive wholesale market, which is staggeringly large, that historically were paper-based in the automotive side. These were auctions, physical auctions, where people were moving these commodity cars. Now that can move online. We have digital inspection certifications, you know, low friction escrow and delivery, and then you have software enabling it. And so these are often grubby industries. Often it takes entrepreneurs that have unique insights that have been in and around these markets. But I think you go down the economy and these massive chunks of GDP are going to move online in ways that may monetize very differently, 
but will ultimately take massive steps of friction out of the ecosystem. And it's funny, one of the inspirations for us launching Trigo Technologies literally 20 years ago, my early SaaS business, was a Forrester report that projected 10,000 digital marketplaces. And this was back in the Ariba and Commerce One era. Now, they didn't play out in that way, but I do think thousands of them will ultimately materialize in this B2B transaction world. And then there's a number of others we detail in the State of Cloud report, but I'll highlight one, one more is an area that we continue to look actively in and has been extremely frustrating to date is enterprise mobile. And really this notion that if you look at anyone's phone, you'll see any tech geek's phone, at least you'll see usually north of a hundred applications. I've got several hundred on my phone of different consumer things that are cool, that are interesting, that I'm using in different ways. In the business side, you know, there's a dozen at most. And there's really a short list if you get beyond email and calendar that people are using on a really frequent basis. And that seems disconnected to me from the potential of technology and just how we spend our time. And so we're, we're seeing that in verticals where you'll have field technicians that live in an app or an, an insurance inspector, something like that. But I hope and believe that's going to go horizontal and that knowledge workers broadly are going to depend on, on mobile apps in a more compelling way and find more value out of them. And so consider this a call to entrepreneurs in the cloud space or the mobile space to please track me down, Byron at bvp.com, send me ideas, et cetera, because big companies will be created there. And I think we're just starting to see it. Yeah. Every time I hear an investor, and sometimes it's on this program, not naming names, but every time I hear an investor say, yeah, mobile is saturated, pretty much everything there has been done. So it's about the next platform. <laughs> like, oh, I hope that's uh, not true. <laughs> I really hope that's I'm not with true. you. Disagree completely. I feel like we've just bit off kind of the first generation of this. this yeah, stuff. We, we, the obvious is, has been done, but we're just getting to what's possible. And that's where the game changing apps are going to come about. At this point, if you're a VC, you've heard of Carta. You've probably even accepted securities from a portfolio company on the platform. It feels like every new company is using Carta and there's already 16,000 VC-backed companies on the platform. They also offer tools and services for VCs like fund administration. Carta has an army of fund accountants delivering high-quality service and dedicated teams of engineers constantly improving the functionality of their user-friendly investor platform with in-app quarterly reporting, real-time fund metrics, LP portals, and more. It's also easy to switch from an existing fund administrator or to augment your in-house team with their service. Learn more about their services at carta.com forward slash investors. And this episode of TFR is brought to you by Pacific Western Bank. Pacific Western specializes in providing financial services to startups, growth stage companies, and their investors, helping to navigate financial obstacles by providing access to funds and expertise. Pacific Western's customized products and team of venture banking specialists provides a banking experience designed specifically with startups and VCs in mind. If you run a tech company or if you invest in tech companies, it's strongly advisable that you build a relationship with the folks at Pacific Western. Go to PacWest.com to learn more. On today's special segment, we have Jim Kim of Builders. Jim, can you talk about some of the specific sectors or trends that you're bullish on? Yeah, I think there's a, a huge opportunity in the sectors where we're playing. We're in them because we think these are multi-billion dollar opportunities, but they've, they've yet to be touched. Uh, you know, let me give you an example. An offshoot of agriculture, part of agriculture, is an industry where 
I guarantee you most people have not spent any time really even thinking about, and that's animal health. And if you look at where does most of the, the corn that we grow and the farmers grow go towards, it's, go, it's going towards a process of upgrading that material into protein. And so you could look at the beef industry, you could look at the poultry industry or the swine industry and say, well, what's going on in these, these places? And if, if you've ever driven on, uh, you know, from Southern California to, to Northern California, there's, there's one stretch in the Central Valley where you drive by a massive, a massive, uh, feedlot. Yes. And you smell it for miles away, right? <laughs> yes. You're wondering what that, what is that? But, but that business, consumer trends are moving towards, I want to know where my food comes from. I want to know that th- this is going to be antibiotic free. I want to know that, that there's security in this food supply. And there hasn't been much of a technology focus on the protein side of the business. And so we see huge opportunity. The, the companies that have been developing drugs, for example, you know, that I'm going to feed to cattle. So they are able to ingest more corn and have higher intake and have better feed conversion ratios that all of those products have come out of pharmaceutical companies, right? It's why Elanco, which is a gigantic player in the space space came out of Eli Lilly. It's Zoetis was a spin out of a large pharmaceutical company. So the product pipeline for this particular industry, which is the largest industry in, in eight states is beef and cattle, that the product pipeline is, is ancient. Mm-hmm. And so we're excited by companies who are, who are now looking at this industry and looking at food, not from and Pat Brown and the impossible burger. I mean, amazing things occurring there. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, you know, if I'm able to drive a 1% increase in feed efficiency uh, across beef and the existing beef supply chain, that's going to be a gigantic impact. And that's going to be a gigantic, enormous, right? And so we're looking at companies that are providing IT, developing new products, uh, platform companies developing new products for, for this animal health industry. And I think we're one of the only VCs there, but it's, it's pretty big and pretty cool. So we think some, some good things are going to happen. We're investors in Ascus Biosciences, which is a, uh, which is a company developing, has a platform developing products for that space. Um, and we're also investors in uh, performance livestock analytics out of Ames, Iowa, which is bringing IT into uh, into that space because you know cattle ranchers sometimes don't even know if they make money year to year, and so these guys have now developed a, a system to allow them to track that. So we th- we think good things are ha- are going to come in that space, much like they did in farming, like traditional plant farming, and investment has increased there. So we're trying to we're trying to be a little bit ahead of the curve. That will conclude this installment of Investor Stories. If you're enjoying the program and would like to see it continue, take a moment and leave a five-star review in iTunes. Also, if you'd like updates on new content from TFR, as well as the top 10 VC articles every week, go to fullratchet.net and sign up for the newsletter. Okay, that will wrap things up for today. Until next time, overprepare, choose carefully, and invest confidently. Thanks for joining me.